2: Hi everyone, I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this La Liga Rota mini-pod with Radio Carlo van Broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. We're recapping matchday 36 in Spain's top division. Yep, not long to go now. We'll do it all well inside half an hour for you. We've seen Rao and Huesca officially relegated from La Liga. More on that in a bit. But we'll start off with the race for fourth place. Now, the shock result of the weekend came at the Estadio Ramos-Ajpiz Juan as Sevilla lost 3-0 at home to Leganes. Martin Braithwaite, the star of the show, setting up the Yusuf serie for a fine curl The second was from Braithwaite himself, cleverly chesting the ball away from Jesus Navas and half-volleying home. And then in an excellent team goal, the Danes spun away and cut the ball back for Oscar Rodriguez to score number three. Uh, Let's speak to Ewan McTier in Madrid about this game then. Uh, Hi Ewan, Uh, Pablo Salavia called it disastrous for Sevilla. How come they were so bad?
3: Yeah, it's really strange because they were the ones with everything to play for. Leganes were basically safe. So the main explanation I can come up with is the absence of Ever Benega, who was suspended and, you know, not for the first time. This was his fourth suspension of the league season and Sevilla have only won one of these games. He might be the most carded player in La Liga but he had so much energy and grit to the midfield when he does play.
2: I mean, at least it means that we're seeing a little bit more of 18-year-old Brian Heel. He came on as a sub for a third straight game. Uh, how is he looking right now? He looks like Messi. Now,
3: hear me out. I mean that literally. He looks like Messi. He's got a similar build. He's got the same kind of floppy hair that Messi had when he was starting out. And his touch is so similar as well. Left-footed, able to generate power from a standing position, as we saw with the shot he had on Friday that kissed the crossbar. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on.
2: But Joaquin Cabarro's magic appears to be fading after three defeats in four so who are the names in the frame to replace him in the Sevilla dugout next season
3: yeah it's kind of fizzled out although he's announced uh, that he has leukemia Capra is still an option and reportedly wants to stay on and but whether the club want them to or not is another matter We've already seen them sack a manager with cancer When they gave Berizzo the boot just before Christmas last year So if they do go in another direction Well the names Eusebio Di Francesco The former Roma manager who Monti's worked with there That's an option And in addition you've got Marcelo Gallardo Rudy Garcia and even Laurent Blanc They've all been mentioned as well
2: and as for Leganes, well, they're safe with two games to spare, which is still some achievement, isn't it? But how badly do you think they need to sign Martin Braithwaite permanently and also keep a use Yusuf Siri, or, or maybe not? What do you think?
3: So the thing with Braithwaite is I don't actually think they do need to keep him. If you take away all the goals he's scored since surviving in January, Leganes would only have three points fewer. Obviously, he's been much more than goals. You know, he's been impressive with hold-up play, but I think Leganes can find other players able to do that job even if they can't keep Braithwaite with Inesri on the other hand they definitely need to keep him 11 goals this season he's the only Leganes player into double figures
2: now despite their defeat Sevilla are at least guaranteed European football next season but Hetafe are one step closer to the Champions League yes this could well happen uh, they beat Girona Tuno at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez uh, Jorge Molina got the opener just after the quarter of an hour after being played in by Dimitri Fouquier Dirona's uh, Tasca then got harder after Borca Garcia was sent off for dissent on 70 minutes shortly after which Hetafe sealed the win there second created by Bruno, intercepting a pass, bursting forward, combining with Angel Rodriguez and then assisting him for the finish. So, Ewan, huge win this for Getafe. Uh, but given that Girona were, were really fighting for their lives, how surprised were you with how easy it was for them?
3: Uh, not really surprised, to be honest. And as soon as I saw that Stuani had suffered a, a last-minute injury, I knew it wasn't going to be Girona's day. They're just they're too reliant on him and even when he does play, they've still not been very good.
2: Now, we've spoken about Jorge Molina and Angel before on the pod, but who else stood out for you in this game?
3: Yeah, I'd pick Dimitri Fouquier. He's the man on loan from Watford and the man who got the assist for the opener in this one. And he's a player they missed a lot when he was out with injury in the past few weeks. He's naturally a right-back, but he's been converted into a right-winger and is so important in midfield in, in terms of defending and in terms of what he can do going forward.
2: So it's a, a seventh defeat in eight games for Girona. I mean, what, what are they lacking right now?
3: Well, wins, goals, defending, everything. It's, it's a real mess and the fact they've struggled so much as well at home, which is just strange more than anything. It makes it extra tough to survive a relegation battle when you can't win those must-win games in front of your own fans.
2: Now, the relegation picture is still a little complicated. Um, Durona's remaining games, Levante at home and then Alaves away. Real Vadolid, they're still involved. They have Ravaicano away and Valencia at home. So, who out of Durona and Valladolid uh, deserves to go down more, Ewan?
3: I actually think neither of these teams deserves to go down because I really respect the fact they've stuck with their coaches through the whole season. Hopefully, that doesn't change. ...before the end of the campaign. Real lead have been more consistent, I'd say. Well, Girona have earned some really high-profile results... ...the win at the Bernabeu, for example... Um, ...and then gone through really poor runs of form. So, I don't know who deserves to stay up more. I guess, I don't know, I guess the points tallies... ...at the end of the season, that will be the judge of that.
2: And as for the race for fourth place... ...well, Getafe go to Barcelona next weekend. Sevilla go to Atletico Madrid. Valencia host Alaves on match day 37... Do you sense it will go down to a final day decider? And if so, who will ultimately get that fourth place?
3: Yeah, I think it will go down to the final day. As I can see, both Itafia and Sevilla losing Next weekend, I mean, sure, there's nothing really to play for for Barcelona and Atletico, but this will be their final home games of the season, and you know they want to go out in a high in front of their home fans. So I think it does go down to the final day, and I think that hands advantage to Atleti. Not only do they have the advantage in terms of points, but they get to play Real at home on the final day, a match that I think is really winnable.
2: All right, cheers for that, Ewan. A time now to focus on the third team in that race for fourth, and we've just mentioned them. It's Valencia. <laughs> We lost were away to Westcat in the Sunday night game, and they utterly ripped them apart. 6 2, the final score at the Estadio La Coraz. What a way for Wescat to go down. Daniel Vas smashed home Valencia's first inside two minutes. Rodrigo doubled the lead. Santi Mina got goals three and four, both easy finishes, while Wescat captain Javier Cheta stabbed the ball into his own net for number five before half time. Rodrigo got his second for 6 0, and then Wescat scored twice, would you believe? Gonzalo Berreiro on 66 minutes. Alex Gayal in stoppage time from the penalty spot. Hey, at least they. Won the second half. Uh, let's check in with Roman de Raquette in the northeast of Spain. Uh, hi there, Roman. Well, this was men against boys, wasn't it, really? What was so irresistible then about Valencia, and what about Huesca's tactics? Hi, David.
4: Well, I think in this case, um, Marcelino came up with a perfect game plan for Valencia. I mean, those quick transitions were deadly for Huesca. Uh, they managed to com- combine really well and attack Guedes, Rodrigo, Santimina. All these guys were excellent, but it has to be said. I think Weska were just way too optimistic, way too offensive. They just needed one goal to win and get the three points, but they felt like they needed more. I don't know. They were going for for three or four nil with that uh,
2: offensive lineup. So in the end, I think that was a big mistake for for Weska. One slight downside, though, Francis Cockline got booked. Not ideal to be missing him, Denis Chedishev and Jeffrey Dogbe in the midfield because Alavés are the team who come to. Mestalla on Sunday yeah especially
4: with no coquelan and Condogue, there's going to be a lack of contention in that midfield but I think uh, Marcelino has options like for example uh, Wash, I mean he's a Swiss army knife for Marcelino he can play as a fullback he can play as a winger he can play in that midfield position so I'm sure he would do, do a, be a great duo with uh, Parejo in that midfield or he could even use Carlos Soler who is a great player also in the middle
2: Yeah, there's a bit of versatility there, certainly from Valencia. Uh, So it is uh, back to the Segunda División por Huesca. Uh, What impact did Francisco actually make after coming in after eight league games?
4: Well, I mean, there was a clear improvement when Francisco came in because with Leo Franco, it just felt like players were kind of lost, there was no, no creativity in midfield, there were, the positioning wasn't very good, the team was kind of uh, were like chickens with no head, you know, running about in the field, but with uh, Francisco the organisation was much better and most importantly the attitude. With uh, Francisco's motivation the players felt they could actually win games, they could actually get points, but of course the squad isn't very good and the new players came maybe too late in that winter market, so you can't really do much more with what you have.
2: And as far as Valencia are concerned, they've got to make up three points on Getafe in the race for fourth. But they've also got this Europa League semi-final second leg on Thursday. They are 3-1 down as they face Arsenal at Mestalla. How do you see it? Well, I mean, the result is definitely a boost of
4: confidence. It basically tells the strikers that they can actually score goals and they can do that again against Arsenal. But it has to be said, Arsenal isn't Huesca. Although Arsenal is a very regular team and you can expect a very good version or maybe they'll come and be dramatic at the back and Valencia will get the goal. So
2: I think uh, Valencia fans have have to believe there is actually a chance of making it through Uh, Roman, let's discuss another game with you Uh, like Huesca, Real Valladolid were in the bottom three before Matchday 36 kicked off but La managed to drag themselves to temporary safety with a 1-0 win over Athletic Club at the Estadio Jose Sorria it was a brilliant goal from Waldo Rubio on 21 minutes picking the ball up inside the centre circle driving up the pitch, cutting inside and firing into the top right hand corner Uh, Jordi Massif also saved brilliantly from Raul Garcia on, and Unai Nunez headed against the post but Valladolid hung on for the win and a valuable one too. Uh, Roman, what do you make of that goal from Waldo Rubio uh, and what can you tell us about him? Well I mean that was definitely a wonder goal. The way the
4: way he striked the ball went right to the top corner, unstoppable. And I mean, Waldo Rubio, he joined the squad because Pablo Herbias got injured long term so they needed another player to substitute him and they thought of Waldo Rubio. He's a very electric, quick, daring player which likes to attack from the left and also, most importantly, he's a very hard worker. An example of this was against Atleti Bilbao where in the last few minutes of the game he went running up high to press the defenders and then sprinting back uh, to defend again with his teammates. So, I mean, that's something Sergio can really use in these kind of games.
2: Now, Athletic, admittedly very lacklustre, uh, how much was that down to not having Raul Garcia on the pitch from the first whistle?
4: Well, Raul Garcia is definitely one of the most important players in the team. It was quite surprising not to see him on the field. Uh, but I mean, without him, there was kind of a lack of control. The transitions and uh, attack weren't very good. And then, of course, Raul Garcia scores goals and only
2: Iñaki Williams uh, up front maybe wasn't enough in, in this occasion. So, Athletic still seventh and four points guaranteed from Europa League football. So, will they get there ahead of Real Sociedad, Espanol and Alaves? I think they'll clinch it because they are going to play
4: two tough games. It's Celta, which are still fighting for survival, and Sevilla, which are fighting for Champions League. But uh, Alaves, who I think are probably their hardest rivals for that seventh position, are playing against Valencia. I just don't think Valencia are going to want to lose any points against them. So I think uh, Athletic will manage uh, the
2: points they need. And before we let you go, Roman, uh, let's get your thoughts on what is a very complicated relegation picture. Uh, Rabaldolid on 38 points. They are one ahead of Girona, who are now third bottom, but two behind Levante, Bierral and Celta de Vigo. Will La Pusera stay up or will they go down?
4: Two games to go, but it's still so hard to say. I mean, I think it's going to depend on what Girona we see. If they play at the same level as we saw against Sevilla, where they won 1-0 at home... It's going to be tough for Valladolid, but if Girona are as bad as they were this weekend, then it's not going to be good for them. So I think uh, Valladolid are going to have a tough time against Valencia in their last game of the season, and that could be the crucial one which takes them down.
2: Thank you, Roman. Well, that's it for part one of this podcast. In part two, there is more on the relegation battle, and we'll update you on Barcelona and Real Madrid as well. Catch you shortly. Welcome back to this Sally Galoda mini pod with Redis Takano i broadcast on SiriusX MFC 157 in North America. So, four games down, six more to recap from Matchday 36. we went out off to Valencia to hear about the big match and the scrap to avoid the drop. Rao Baikana are relegated after they lost 4 1 away to Levante and other results didn't go their way. Jose Campaña with Levante's opener after a poor clearance from Abdullah Bard. Then Jose Luis Morales had a penalty saved, but the 2 0 goal came for half time anyway through a Ruben Mesor header. Uh, then Rayo got one back through Alvaro Garcia but Adrian Barbaz two bookings in five minutes took the wind out of their sails and the ten men conceded twice more Jason and Enis Pardee Paco Polic is our man in Valencia for La Liga lowdown hi there Paco huge win then for Levante how good were they how bad were Rayo Levante were excellent in similar fashion as two weeks ago against Betis
5: when they scored four and also last week against Barca, even though they lost the game. Uh, It seems Paco Lopez has finally found a reliable defensive midfielder in Buksevic and the team was super sharp on the offense, even though they could have actually scored even more goals. Well, as for Rayo, let's say that keeper Alberto was their best man on the ground because that would be accurate and allow me to not slam both the rest of the team and obviously their manager.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, Well, Rayo's relegation then confirmed on Sunday. Uh, What do you think has been the biggest learning of their season as they head back down to Segunda?
5: In my view, they weren't consistent at home. Teams who are fighting to remain have at least shown some hope when playing at home, but Pallecas was an all-you-can-eat buffet for most of the season, and also the squad wasn't properly balanced last summer, and finally bringing in Paco Hemet with his suicide style was
2: the nail in the coffin he is a bit kamikaze isn't he so I'm guessing you probably don't think he's the right man to bring them back up Paco
5: no I don't really think so Uh, La Segunda is a competition where only really solid teams are able to succeed at the end of the season I've never seen a solid team managed by Paco Jemeth fun to watch yeah scoring goals Sure, but his track record in the last few years has been appalling, with four relegations in Spain in his last four teams. If Rayo want to climb up to La Liga again, they should seek an alternative.
2: Yeah, that's some rap sheet, isn't it? Um, for Los Granotas, that's now two big home wins in a row. Now, both have been with them reverting to four at the back. Is that, is that coincidence or is there uh, something more to it?
5: Yeah, as I said earlier, Buksevic playing as the defensive midfielder has been crucial. Also, the addition of Tonio and Jason as starters. Remember, Tonio was one of the most informed players and he was in jail for two months while Jason was punished for his signing for Valencia and became bench material following the news. However, the way the match day has developed was particularly nasty for Levante, who will have to win or at least not lose against Girona to be relatively safe.
2: Well, this game was our chosen game for Partiato predictions. Paco could have clinched the title, but he was cruelly denied all three points by Ennis Bardi. So just a single point for him, ditto Román. So these are the standings. Paco, you're on 30 points. Román, second on 18. Eumen is on 17. I'm on 16. Alex Johnson is on 13. Paco, let's also discuss Villarreal's trip to Real Madrid, which ended in a 3-2 defeat. The opener within two minutes. Santa Cazorla robbed by Brahim Diaz. and Mariano stolen to beat the Villarreal keeper Andres Fernandez. But within nine minutes, Madrid pegged back. Casemiro dispossessed by Vicente Iborra Jara Moreno curling home a superb equaliser the hosts again ahead Jesus Vallejo pouncing from close range on 41 minutes and then Fede Valverde's fantastic ball through to Dani Carvajal who squared for Mariano to tap in for 3-1 and in an open flowing game Jara Moreno then burst through and set up Jaime Costa who made it 3-2 but that is how it finished wow ok Paco let's talk about Madrid first to overall how much of an improvement was this compared to recent displays
5: well it was conditioned by Mariano's marksmanship early in the game and that really gave Real some confidence. Overall, I think Mariano's display was some sort of vindication for him. He hasn't had that many chances to shine this season because of all of the turmoil. Uh, Real, I would say, were marginally better than average this season, and that was more than enough.
2: And the Madrid press obviously also talking up the return of Vinicius Junior. How do you see the picture with him and, in fact, Mariano going forward? Will they stay at the Bernabeu, get loaned out, leave permanently? What do you think?
5: Obviously, Real Madrid fans are praying for Vinicius to stay next year because he has been possibly the single redeeming fact coming off from this squad in the last six months. Remember, he began this season playing third division for the B-team and ended becoming Real Madrid's beacon of hope before his unfortunate injury. I don't really know about Zidane. He doesn't seem to like Vinicius that much. And about Mariano, I'm sorry, but he needs to go on loan again. If Real get those high-profile signing this summer he won't have
2: chances to play. What about Zidane's feelings on Gareth Bale? I mean, he wasn't even in the matchday squad. How do you read uh, the Welshman's future back-off? Even though he's been one of Florentino
5: Perez's favourites in his six years in Spain, I think his stint at Real should be over sooner than later. And I'm thinking about the player here. He's won four Champions League trophies. He's got nothing else to prove. Both Bale and Real should be happier with a move this summer.
2: Uh, and for Real, uh, spirited display, but still a defeat. Uh, do you think they've done enough to stay up already, Paco? Um, I think they might need one more point before calling it a
5: day. Uh, exactly same situation as Levante. 41 points might be the magic number for every single team fighting to remain in La Liga.
2: Cheers, Paco. And from Real Madrid, we now switch tack and talk about Barcelona. Well, the champions were given a guard of honour as they came out at Balaidos. The game at Celta Vigo was their first in La Liga since clinching the title, but it ended in a 2-0 defeat. The goals came in the second half, the first from Maxi Gomez, a smart finish on the volley after Riyad Budabush had floated the ball in. And then, Yago Aspas converted a penalty after Musou had handled in the box, decided by VAR. It is a vital result in Celta's survival battle. Admittedly, against a vastly weakened Barca side, but a win is a win. Let's speak to Alex Johnson, who is in Vigo. Alex, a game of two halves, really, from Celta what was different about them before and after the break
6: well I'd say that in the second half they dared a lot more they were a lot more offensive and I always get back to I was, and I know that can, can sound a little bit too, too much but in the first half he was just not involved in the game in the way he normally is and we had Maxi Gomez who was just very very frustrated uh, in the second half it felt more like Celta were going out realising they are really need to play for their lives here and just went for it and they just dared a lot more and they got the result out of that
2: it's four straight home wins now for Flanesquiruas' side. They're on the brink of survival. So what has Dos been like in the last month or so, Alex?
6: Well, it's been incredible. Uh, on Saturday, I think I was lost in some blue smoke for a while and didn't really know where I was. And then during the match, I got to be pitch side this time. So I was just in front of the Celta fans, which was electric throughout the entire match. And I had three six-year-old ball boys next to me that went completely mad when the Celta scored. But I think the main thing is just the confidence you see among the fans and the players. Every Celta fan I spoke to before the match was 100% confident that they were going to beat Barcelona. And you can feel that among the players as well.
2: Yeah, they've really turned it around, haven't they? Uh, for Barca, meanwhile, how worrying is the injury to Ousmane Dembele in terms of, of Tuesday's trip to Liverpool, of course?
6: So in one way, to be completely honest, I'm not sure it's that worrying because he's a player who's had some problems keeping possession this season. And, and in a game against Liverpool, I think that is one of the keys for Barcelona. As I'm not 100% sure if he would have started. But with that said, he's not just any player. He's a player that can make the difference. So it's a player that you want to have at least on the bench.
2: And of course, that meant that we saw Alex Collado make his official Barcelona first-team debut. Uh, Tell us a little bit about him.
6: Yeah, so he came to Barca when he he was 10 from Espanyol, and he's gone through the entire youth teams at the club, and he's one of those names that you you keep on hearing every now and then when when people speak about La Masia. In his playing style, I would say that he's quite similar to Alenia, a little bit less physically strong and maybe a little bit more dangerous in front of goal.
2: Uh, which other players do you think made a case for maybe being a part of Ernesto this plans next season, Alex?
6: So we we'll already mentioned Alenia, and I say him and Ricky Puji was probably the two ones who stood out the most uh, in this match against Celta. They dictated the play, especially in the first half, where Alenia had 41 successful passes of 44, which was at least 25 more than any Celta player, which says a lot. Uh, and then Vago also looked great on, on the right side, showing speed and depth.
2: OK, uh, let's uh, head to the Basque country briefly. Razosta beat Alaves 1-0 away from home and Manu Garcia own goal after he deflected William Jose's shot past to Fernando Pacheco. Uh, no wins in eight for Alaves. Now, I know that Abelardo has always talked about simply staying up as their main goal for the season, but let's play a bit of devil's advocate here. Why such a slump and who is to blame for it?
6: The thing with Alaves is the way that they've been playing is so much about attitude, energy, intensity. And they've showed that more than any other La Liga team this season. But it comes to a point where you're just running out of energy. And I think what we're seeing now is that they've basically emptied themselves so much that there is, is not a lot of more uh, left to give.
2: More injuries for La Real, meanwhile. Lucas Angali, Ander Barnechea, Alex Ustonda, they were all subbed off. Just how has Imanol Alguacil actually kept La Real on the fringes of Europe?
6: Well, I think one of the things with Real Sociedad this season is that they do have a really good team. They have very skillful players, but their weakness has been that they are a very, very young team that lack a lot of experience. So when it starts to go against them, they have very difficulties to turn things around. But when things are going well, we get to see some of these really good qualities that they have. Uh, and another important thing is, is William José. And when he's been performing, we've seen a complete different Real Sociedad as a team that is fighting for Europe if they have him performing.
2: Thanks, Alex. Well, let's round up the remaining two games on match day 36 in La Liga. Another surprising result came at the Estrella Stadium as Espanyol beat Atletico Madrid 3-0. Diego Gordin own goal gave the home side the lead on the stroke of half-time after which Borja Iglesias scored twice to take his La Liga tally for the season to 15. His second and Espanyol's third from the penalty spot. It is seven games unbeaten now for Los Pericos and Europa League is still possible. Eibar were 1-0 winners in their mid-table clash at home to Rabetis. Jose Angel scored the only goal at Ibrua just before the interval. Giovanni Lo Celso had hit the post in the first 45 and then had a penalty saved by the ex Marco Dimitrić in the second 45 Betis created chances but they couldn't convert any of them 4 defeats in 5 for them only 3 wins in 18 in all competitions so here's the La Liga table after 36 games Barcelona in the top on 83 points Atletico 2nd on 74 Real Madrid 3rd on 68 and then Getafe stay 4th on 58 Valencia up to 5th and Sevilla 6th on 55 at the bottom Huesca still prop up at the table on 30 points then Rava Icano 2nd bottom on 31 both of those confirmed as relegated then Girona on 30. 37 points, Real Madrid 38, Levante Real and Celta all on 40. Well that's it for this podcast. So don't forget to keep across our Twitter feed, which is at La Liga Lowdown, as we keep you across those European semi-final second legs. Barcelona take a 3-0 lead to Anfield to face Liverpool in the Champions League, Valencia 3-1 down against Arsenal as they meet at Mestalla on Thursday in the Europa League. That's your La Liga Lowdown. See you next time.